today we are wrapping up our series on Acts, um, which we've been in since July of last year. It's been a long journey. <clears throat> I knew that I would have about 15 minutes uh, this morning based on everything we had going on in the service uh, to wrap up Acts, which is not going to do it justice, of course. Um, we've, we could have spent much more time in the book of Acts uh, than we did. Um, so I'm just going to share a few thoughts uh, of what things that I, you know, as, as I journeyed through Acts from a teaching standpoint that really stood out to me that were helpful. Just a few highlights. And then I had invited the body to share as well if any of you had any reflections that you wanted to share from our journey through Acts. And a few of you uh, did get those to me. So I'm going to share some of mine and then I'm going to uh, read a couple of the reflections that some of you shared. So this, uh, this week is our Acts wrap-up, and then next week is our outdoor baptism service, and then the following week we're going to start a new series, which is connected to this one, and it'll be a, a shorter series on the church, and we're going to be exploring the church through the New Testament and looking at some of the main um, writings and teachings uh, from the New Testament about the church. All right, this is where we started, if you can remember. Uh, way back with me. This was the blurb that kind of led us into the series on Acts. And <clears throat> what I had written, excuse me, this is what I had written uh, as, we, as we started, just to sort of frame our journey in Acts. As the people of God, we constantly need to practice spiritual discernment. We're daily faced with decisions, great and small, that require the ability to listen and follow the Spirit and Word of God. As we walk through the book of Acts, uh, we'll be asking some key questions about the process of spiritual discernment. How are the people of God called to make decisions? What role does the Spirit of God play in discernment? How did the early church and Christians practice discernment? How did the early church make decisions? What role does prayer and the Word of God play in spiritual discernment? What role does spiritual community play in discernment? And discernment. The entire book of Acts, in many ways, is a book about spiritual discernment. I mean, think about what it would have been like to be one of the first Christians during this time, and it's never been done before. And yet there's this call from the Lord, and so every decision that they're making, they're needing constant clarity and discernment from God step by step. So as we um, engage the stories in Acts, we can learn and grow in our own ability to walk out God-honoring processes of spiritual discernment. So this was the goal as we, as we looked at it. And I pray that this has happened over the last year and a couple months, that you have been challenged, that we together have been challenged to think about how do we hear God's voice? Who here wants to hear God's voice today? Every hand should be raised. God is still speaking. He's not a God who spoke and then quit speaking. He's a God who speaks today. So how do we hear him speak today? And this has kind of framed this. And if you remember, I did a little bit of teaching on this. These are three ways that people live in the world, three worldviews, um, starting from the Enlightenment, uh, sort of uh, rationalistic worldview is the I think, therefore I am. So I must exist because I have thoughts. I have uh, conversations, and I can see you, and you can see me. This is, very, uh, this is Descartes. This is a very Enlightenment-type uh, philosophy, I think, therefore I am. That has sort of transitioned in postmodernism to where we are today, 
where um, no longer are people basing their worldview on I think, therefore I am. The majority of culture, and this happened in academia 50 years before it happened on, in popular culture, but it's trickled down into popular culture today. And popular culture, um, basically the, the basic uh, worldview is I feel, therefore I am. So the relationships are going through this lens of um, the reality of experience and feeling. Now there was a good balance because just living purely rationalistically is not holistic, nor is it the way that God designed us. But neither is the pendulum swing the other way, where we, where we base everything on personal experience and, and feelings. Um, that's not a healthy way to live either. The biblical model, uh, the worldview that we together as God's people are, are called to approach reality and life through is he speaks, therefore I am. God speaks. That's why we are. God speaks. That's why we can walk. That's why we can live. That's why we can breathe. What's the first verse in the book of John? In the beginning was the word. God speaks, therefore I am. This was, uh, with all of that in mind, this, this was a scripture that I returned to over and over again over the last year. From Psalm 28, 1, where David says, I pray to you, O Lord, my rock. Do not turn a deaf ear to me. For if you are silent, I might as well give up and die. I feel that so deeply. I feel that so deeply in my spirit and in my heart. If you are not speaking, then there is no point. If God is not speaking, then there is no hope. You can hear this cry of David, pray to you, do not... Do not be silent to me, other translations put it. For if you were silent, I might as well give up and die. The, the literal words are, I would be like one who goes down to the pit, to shale. The very next psalm, which is, this was so cool, we didn't plan this. The very next psalm, what comes after 28? 29? When, when, uh, you know, the ancient Hebrew teachers, rabbis, were putting together the book of Psalms. This had to be intentional. Because the very next psalm, verse after verse after verse, is about the voice of God. Steph, she didn't know I was going to be talking about this this morning, but what, do you remember what she read during worship? She read Psalm 29. How cool is that? In Psalm 29, it says, The voice of the Lord echoes above the sea. The God of glory thunders. The Lord thunders over the mighty sea. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. The voice of the Lord splits the mighty cedars. Going on, it says, the voice of the Lord strikes with bolts of lightning. The voice of the Lord makes the barren wilderness quake. The voice of the Lord twists mighty oaks and strips the forest bare. God speaks. Therefore, we are. Everything that has come into being has come into being because the word of God, the living logos, the word, the wisdom of God. So how do we hear God's voice today? How do we hear it today? Uh, these are some of the main ways that I think we can rest in the voice of God speaking. And there are seasons where it feels like he's quiet. And there are seasons where he's pouring out so much of his word that that you can hardly keep it in. Um, but wherever we are, whatever experience we're in, 
he speaks, he, and he is speaking. So um, the ways that the scriptures reveal to us that we hear the voice of the Lord today, and we see this throughout the book of Acts, is first and foremost through the indwelling ministry of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God, for those of us in Christ, dwells within us. God's Spirit. And Paul writes multiple places, but so eloquently in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, that if you are in Christ, the Holy Spirit is dwelling within you, and the Holy Spirit dwelling within you teaches you what's in the mind of God so that we have the mind of Christ, Paul says. Who here wants to have the mind of Christ, to think the thoughts that Jesus is thinking, to hear his words? This is possible because the Holy Spirit is in us. Secondly, we hear God's voice through prayer, meditation, and worship. This does two things. Well, it does a lot of things, but two primary things in hearing God's voice. First of all, it helps us both go inward appropriately to listen to what's going on inside of us and at the same time to look uh, to God, to submit all things to him that our minds might be renewed, that we might hear his voice. So we hear God's voice actually through prayer. Prayer is much more about listening than it is about speaking. The, the heart of prayer is to hear God and then say back to him what he's spoken. In, in John 15, Jesus says that, ridiculous thing that all of us have wrestled with, if we're honest, where he says, if you ask anything in my name, it will be done. It will be given to you. Ask anything in my name, and it will be given to you. The context of that, of Jesus saying that, is right out of the abiding passage. If you abide in me, I'll abide in you, and you'll bear much fruit. As we abide in Christ through prayer, through his word, through the Holy Spirit... Our minds are renewed in such a way that we can have the mind of Christ so that we know what he thinks, so that we can know what he feels, what he desires. And in knowing what God desires, what Jesus desires, then we can pray for the same thing. And in praying in the name of Jesus for the things that Jesus is praying, everything in Christ is yes and amen. So prayer, in many ways, is us learning to pray what Jesus is praying. Hebrews 7.25 says that Jesus lives to make intercession. He's able to save to the uttermost because he lives to make intercession. Jesus, Romans 8, seated at the right hand of the Father, making intercession right now. So we hear God's voice through prayer, through meditation, and through worship just by thinking about him. If you think about God, you're going to start to hear from him. You focus on him. You look at him. You gaze on, at him. You behold him. You ascribe to him the glory due his name. You're going to start to think his thoughts and feel what he feels. And then, of course, we hear his voice today through the written testimony of the scriptures. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Your word is like honey on my lips. So that we see the believers throughout Acts um, really devoting themselves to listening to the Spirit of God, giving space for the Spirit to speak, dedicating, this is a constant theme through Acts, dedicating themselves to prayer. They're people devoted to prayer. They're also devoted to the apostolic teaching and the scriptures. Now, of course, when Acts was happening, they didn't have the New Testament. They didn't have 
the, the, the Gospels. They weren't written until the book of Acts was done. During the book of Acts, the time that the book of Acts talks about, Paul wrote some of his epistles, but not, not even all of them. And so what were the scriptures that they were going to constantly? They're going to the Hebrew scriptures. God still speaks through the Hebrew scriptures as well. Just like he did for the early church today, he continues to speak. And so we, we listen to God's voice through the testimony of the scriptures. Through spiritual community, this is enormous. This is so important. You cannot hear God's voice in isolation. It will not happen. I don't care how good your devotions are. I don't care how much time you spend in the word. God created you to be a part of a body. And you cannot function in health. I cannot function in health without the community of God. Amen? So if we are going to hear God's voice, we have to be in community, mutual submission, and deep relationship with one another. I'll share a quick testimony from my own life. I had, um, when I was pastoring in Drexel Hill a couple years ago, I, I had this deep impression that our time in Drexel Hill was coming to an end. I didn't have anything on the other side of what that looked like, uh, clearly, but I knew our time in Drexel Hill, and I couldn't, I couldn't have even tell you like listed reasons. I just felt it. My, my time here is coming to an end. So we began to pray about next steps. And, and the pursuit of my heart was to go back to St. Louis and to do uh, work in St. Louis, where my family's from, uh, in the city. And I was like a dog who caught its tail. Like, I was all in on that thing. But at the same time, I feel deeply convicted that I can't walk anything out that is of any importance in my life without submitting it to community. So uh, that's, of course, first with Julie, but then the people that we walk with. And so as we began to community, in community, submit to others, this is what we desire, this is what's going on in our lives, this is what's happening. Um, the Lord, mystery of all mysteries, called us to Parker Ford Church. If that had not been for community, there is no way that we would be here today. There is no way we would be here today. But God speaks not in isolation, not just to me. I don't have a corner on the market, nor do you. God speaks to us. And it's when we are listening together, discerning together, praying together, that we can begin to hear his voice. So if you're a person who's tempted towards making decisions great or small without including others in that process, particularly when it comes to the way that you're walking out, vocational calling, that sort of thing, let there be a check in your spirit if there are not other people looking and listening and praying with you. Do you hear that? All right. We do this together. That's the only way to do it. All right, and then also we hear God's voice through nature and through experience. We do hear God and feel God through experience and through nature. You go up on a mountaintop in the Rockies, tell me you don't. If you don't hear from God there, that, you know what I mean? <laughs> like up, you go to the ocean, hear God's voice. He speaks, the heavens declare the glory 
of God. Now, the nature and the experience thing, um, because I believe in God's revelation through Jesus Christ, those things need to be submitted to the others. So even what we hear through nature and through personal experience, it has to come in submission uh, to the Holy Spirit. It has to come into submission through prayer, through the testimony of the scriptures, and definitely through spiritual community. Because when people go off in isolation and start to have really cool experiences, that gets really off course really fast when it's not submitted to the word of God and to community. You know what I'm talking about? You with me? Okay. So these are ways that we see and have seen uh, the church throughout Acts interacting with God's voice and, and listening to God's voice and discerning step by step. We saw Peter practice this. We saw Barnabas practice this. We certainly saw Paul and his companions practice each of these things. All right, I'm going to switch gears. Uh, this is another big reflection for me going through the book of Acts. This was something that I did not understand uh, to the extent that I do now before we went into Acts. And this is from N.T. Wright, his book, um, uh, his biography on Paul. And he's writing about the word that's translated faith in our scriptures. And I spent a lot of time over the middle portion of this series talking about this. And this is a big deal, church. So uh, N.T. Wright uh, says in his biography, he says, one obvious Greek term for loyalty is one of Paul's favorite words, which is the Greek word pistis. Regularly translated faith. This is when you read in the New Testament the word faith, um, the vast majority of the times, it's this word, pistis. Um, but it also carries, uh, often carrying the overtones of faithfulness, reliability, and yes, loyalty. The word pistis could mean faith in the sense of belief. That's how we tend to think about it. When we ask someone, do you have faith? What we're asking them usually is, do you believe? Um, and it can mean that. Uh, what is believed as well as the fact of believing, or indeed the act of believing, which already seems quite enough meaning for one small word. But, and this is the big, the big point, pistis, this word, faith, could also point to the personal commitment that accompanies any genuine belief. In this case, that Jesus was now Lord, which was the title for who at this time? Who was called Lord? Caesar. Now the Christians start to call someone else Lord, which is actually treasonous. So in this case, this word pistis, when it's with Jesus, uh, the word Lord, it's talking about loyalty to a sovereign, the world's rightful sovereign. Hence the term means loyalty or allegiance. This is what Caesar demanded from his subjects. He goes on to say, for Paul, the word meant all of that, but also much more. For him, this believing allegiance was neither simply a religious stance nor a political one. It was altogether larger in a way that our language, like Paul's, has difficulty expressing clearly. For him, this pistis, this heartfelt trust in and allegiance to the God revealed in Jesus was the vital marker. The thing that showed whether someone was really part of this new community or not. In other words, Paul wasn't drawing lines in the sand and saying you're in or out based on how you, 
whatever doctrinal beliefs. And not that doctrine wasn't important to Paul. He says, guard your doctrine, he writes to Timothy. But for him, the markers of who's in this community is much more about allegiance and loyalty than it is just about mental assent to a list of facts or truth claims. Does that make sense? This should be really, really helpful for those of us who at times struggle with doubt. This should be really encouraging to you. I've said this before, but this is right in line with this. Right at the end of the book of Matthew, when Jesus is about to ascend, it says those gathered around him, there were like 70 gathered around Jesus. They worshiped him, but then Matthew says, but some doubted. They're standing in front of the resurrected Jesus. They can touch him and feel him and hear him. They saw him die. They saw him dead. And here he is standing in front of him. And it says, and some doubted. When John was stuck in prison, right, what, what does it say? He started to question. He started to doubt. Some of us grew up in a setting where we were never allowed to have doubts or have questions or struggles with our faith or with things that we're curious about. Like, how did we get the Bible? <laughs> where did it come from? And, and questions like, like that that are, that are honest questions. We can wrestle and we can go through periods of struggle and doubt The call from Christ to us is this allegiance of our soul that is much more than just mentally agreeing with everything. I'm not saying that's not important. We should agree with the things that God teaches us. We should agree with the things that Jesus teaches us. But even as we walk through valleys, even as we walk through places of struggle and doubt, this is what sets us apart that we would have steadfast loyalty and allegiance to continue to walk through Christ with Christ in submission to his sovereignty as Lord, even as we struggle and wrestle. That's a big, heavy thing. Are you guys okay? What Paul teaches with this is that this is the vital marker that we would have allegiance and heartfelt trust to God. Because then I can stand in a place and say, I don't have it all figured out. I might be wrong about some of these things, but I'm not going to build my hope on me being right. I'm going to build my hope on Jesus Christ being Lord. We need to pause and pray for a minute. Jesus, you alone are God. You alone are Lord and Savior. You alone are creator of heaven and earth. Which means what you say is the truth and only the truth. We live in a... a, a, (laughs) We live in shadows. We live in, in struggle and pain with many different claims that come at us 
and many different teachings that come at us from many different directions. But like the psalmist writes in Psalm 63, like David writes, my soul clings to you. Uphold me now. This is what he's talking about. As we wrestle with doctrine and and beliefs, again, those things are important. I'm not saying otherwise. But what this is all about at the beginning and at the end is about loyalty and service, discipleship, and following Jesus. And as the early church wrestled with the Jewish-Gentile question and circumcision and, you know, all of that stuff, many things that we still wrestle with today, what was setting them apart was this steadfast loyalty and allegiance to Jesus. So God, may we be a family that is completely in allegiance to Jesus Christ. Heart, soul, mind, strength. We pray this in your name. Amen. All right, and then two quick ones. Um, I shared these were two things that stood out from recently in our, our Acts series. There was a lot of waiting in Paul's life. There was a lot of time spent waiting, waiting on God, waiting for him to move, you know, on boats that were sailing and took a long time in prison for multiple years. A lot of waiting. And so we talked about this, seven things to do when you're stuck in prison for two years uh, a couple weeks ago, and I really hope this doesn't happen to you. But uh, you pray without ceasing. We see, we see Paul do this, pray without ceasing, singing hymns. There's, there's like three accounts uh, in the epistles and also in Acts of Paul in prison singing psalms, uh, hymns, and spiritual songs. He says to address one another with those things. Um, meditate day and night on the, uh, on the word to chew on it. Remember uh, to remember what God has done. We have to remember. We have to savor God, taste and see that the Lord is good. Uh, with thankfulness and joy, patiently wait on God and actively wait on God. And we see Paul practice all of these things throughout his life. And then we talked about this last week, and this was a, a big way to end. But how do we come against consumerism as a church? We saw Paul do this, and this is the same way that we can come against the idol of consumerism today. Uh, through prayer, through thanksgiving, which changes the value of the things we own. Um, and I used the example of my home, or you can think about a car you have. Um, if you're thinking about it from the standpoint of, oh, I gotta take care of it and I gotta pay for this and this, it's really easy to not be, for it not to have value. But when you practice thankfulness, all of a sudden that thing has massive value. Thank you, God, for providing. Just by saying that, you've changed the value of what is in your life. And then generosity. Uh, Generosity moves us away from playing God to a place of sharing, giving, and blessing others. So these are some of my reflections from the book of Acts. If any of you want to talk to me about any of these things um, or have any questions from our time together, I um, am a little bit of a nerd, and I like talking about this stuff and thinking about it and reading about it, so I'd love to talk to you. All right, I'm going to share a few reflections that uh, some from the congregation uh, handed on to me to share about our time in Acts. This is from Rosa. She says, I learned a lot while we were studying chapter by chapter through the book of Acts. It's difficult to put in one note just one thing that kept my attention because every Bible verse encloses a meaningful teaching. However, I chose to mention about Paul when he introduced himself to others in every place he had been. So that that Paul, every place he's going, 
um, making friends, making connections. Besides sharing the gospel, he always said who he was, where he was from, um, how he was converted, what happened to him, his testimony, when Jesus appeared to him, and uh, it gave him uh, his understanding about the kingdom of heaven. It amazed me to see that he also explained the same uh, to Roman authorities. So he's the same person, um, even though he has different uh, ways of doing it. He's the same person wherever he is. He doesn't change. I think it is important to do it as Paul did um, every time we meet people and have the opportunity to talk with them. Thank you, Rosa. And then uh, Juan Carlos shared, um, I learned a lot about Paul's life, things like his hometown, Tarsus, that it's located in Turkey today, um, that he had a sister and nephew, uh, that the Galatians wasn't a church, it was a region with several churches, um, that he had such strong opinions and character. For instance, when he refused uh, to travel with John Mark, who wrote the gospel according to Mark. Um, God also stuck it in his mind, in my mind, that the initial plan of Paul was mainly to preach to the Jewish community, but God had a different plan for him. Um, being rejected by his own people, he turned over uh, to the Gentiles, and that was the beginning of the gospel that reached us today. And so we stand here today um, because of God's faithfulness through the early church and through Paul. And thank you, Juan Carlos, for sharing that. And then there was one of our community groups uh, that decided to do reflections as a group. And so this was a whole community group that shared about uh, what they heard from Acts. So they say, becoming a part of a community group has been a wonderful experience. This was the one that meets at Ron and Sharon's house. Sharon, thank you for putting this together. <laughs> becoming a part of a community group has been a wonderful experience. We've grown together as a group and have become friends who are comfortable with one another as we have healthy discussions each time we meet on any given subject. When DJ asked for insights of what we walked away with in our study of Acts, a thought came to mind about taking all the things that our group had gleaned from the teaching and putting them into a summary of what we all encountered through the discussion over the past year. Reading the many responses that came in, this is Sharon speaking, I found it difficult to do all the wonderful thoughts justice, although many had the same thoughts just worded differently. So here it goes. Some of these thoughts are direct quotes from others. A few of us squirmed at the thought of studying in depth the book of Acts, feeling anxious in the thought that we may uh, not be able to grasp all it had for us. Early on, we examined the change from Saul to Paul. His ministry was never about himself. It was about Christ and how he had been transformed on the Damascus Road. Some consider Acts, um, the Acts of the Holy Spirit, the full title, um, that it was written that we may understand the Holy Spirit and his role as our companion, guide, comforter, wisdom, revealer of truth, and the true nature of God, daily interpreter of God's plan for each of us personally as we search the scriptures and actively seek to hear his voice, amen, and the defining force of history for God's kingdom. For some, it was a history lesson of real people revolving life's actual problems through a kingdom perspective. We certainly obtained a much healthier insight into Paul's character as we studied um, we, this is what we learned about Paul, his humility, integrity, commitment, faithfulness, passion, his warrior heart and spirit, his, his spirit-filled life, and his servant's heart. Some of us appreciated uh, the extended period of time that was consecutively spent on the teaching of Acts. It totally reinforced that any person or any circumstance can be used by God to further his kingdom. We found it very interesting to really look at the major roles that were played by minor characters, and it helped us realize our minor roles have a major place in God's kingdom. Again, amen. 
we have worked at reevaluating our definition of time as it differs drastically from that of the Lord. We were challenged about our complaining, about our consumerism, how greed is the gangrene of our soul. Um, we were challenged about our anxious thoughts and fears, our prayer life to be more thankful, to confront with truth, to encourage, and using the weapons of spiritual battle, which are prayer, thanksgiving, and generosity. We were definitely challenged with Paul and Silas praying and singing in prison, and we asked ourselves, when we're in chains, do we pray and sing? And we were each humbled. All these things have made us look at our own lives. We are to be known by our love for Christ and for each other as Jesus challenged. We walked away with a stronger desire to seek discernment through deep prayer, spread the good news, to be obedient to God and to glorify him in all we do and say. Thank you. Thanks to those who shared uh, reflections. I've really appreciated walking through Acts. The one last reflection I have is to turn around and look at the uh, back wall. And um, Gretchen provided us with a visual reflection and of the spirit dove. And we actually, she was working on this for, I think, like a year. And it was the background, obviously, of the Prezi I used each week. And if you haven't read that, go ahead and read it after the service. And um, what was so cool, the, the Lord had it lined up that Gretchen finished this huge project she'd been working on on Pentecost Sunday this year. So we hung it on Pentecost Sunday, uh, which was so cool. So... Um, Let's uh, just pause, close your eyes. Praise team, you can come up as we close our service. And let's just thank God for his word and his journey and ask him that we might continue to hear his voice today. Father, I'm so thankful that you're speaking. I, um, yeah, I, I think it is just the greatest gift that there is that you speak that you have spoken and that you continue to speak. And there are times where I really struggle with hearing you or feeling like I'm not hearing from you. And I can get in a place where I feel like you're not speaking enough. (laughs) But God, you are so faithful. And there has never been a moment in my life for any person in this room and all of creation where you have not been sustaining, God, through your living word, through the rhema word of God. Father, we thank you for your voice. We thank you that we can still discern your will today, that we have hope for that, because we have one another, because we have the scriptures, because we have the gift of prayer and the Holy Spirit that dwells within us. May each of us abide in you, God, and continue to walk and learn how to walk with you. And as we transition into a season of looking at the church and some of the teachings from the scriptures on the church, we want to continue to have discernment and follow you in every regard. And we pray this in the name of our living, reigning word, Jesus Christ.